if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thanks for being with us as we get rolling seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 22nd morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord 2020. I had to pause for a second there before I said Tuesday, because Tuesday usually means curse in our day, but not this day. Peter is in hearings all day, uh, legal hearings, and he will be with us on tomorrow's program. However, I'll make it up to you by giving you something I didn't give you yesterday because he was busy traveling. Congressman Jim Jordan. He'll be joining me in about 12 minutes at 920. We will talk to Congressman Jim Jordan, who, by the way, is doing some extraordinarily important work right now. As we get started, and we have a lot to talk about with the SCOTUS situation, the replacement of Judge Gin, uh, Justice Ginsburg, the legal fight over that, or the political fight, rather, <clears throat> excuse me, over that. Uh, we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about uh, the Black Lives Matter curriculum that we discussed yesterday in some depth. We're going to get into that. But I want to start with some very important news and very good news. Congressman Jim Jordan is among the leaders trying to push back against all of this nonstop violence that we still see happening in certain American cities. He is joining with uh, other members of Congress, Republican members of Congress, to hold people accountable for their destruction. Cannot overstate the importance of this. Jim Jordan yesterday, you also had Attorney General uh, William Barr declaring three states to be essentially anarchistic states. That's pretty heady stuff. That's pretty bold stuff. And labeling, uh, not states, I beg your pardon, I should say cities, not states. I misspoke. Labeling New York City, Portland, and Seattle as anarchist jurisdictions may allow the federal government, President Trump, and the Congress to withhold federal funding for these particular cities. If these cities do not do something to stop the anarchy, the insurrection, if you will, then they can have their federal funding pulled. That's a big deal. So between what uh, Attorney General Bill Barr is doing to try to tamp down the violence, which, why is this so extraordinarily important right now? You need to understand. Because it's going to amplify itself by a factor of 10 or more. If and when President Trump makes his nomination and the 
Supreme Court, or excuse me, and the Senate, the United States Senate Judiciary Committee, and God willing, the full Senate have a vote on Amy Coney Barrett, if that is the choice, or whomever it is that President Trump puts up there to replace uh, uh, Justice Ginsburg, it's going to get worse. Like I said, by a factor of 10, if you think the violence in the streets over policing is a problem now, if you think the violence, the arson, the looting, the assaults, the attacks, the road blockages, if you think all of this stuff is bad now, wait until the Democrats and their partners in crime, I'm literally going to use that from now on to describe uh, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, Revcom USA, Revolutionary Abolitionists, all of those anarchy groups, anarchistic groups, that continue to terrorize American cities because they're not getting what they want, are partners in crime with the Democrat Party. All right? So the Democrats and their partners in crime, their voting base on the streets, if you think they're bad now, over you know uh, supposed police brutality, wait until you see what happens when President Trump and Mitch McConnell and the Republican-controlled Senate go ahead and nominate and start hearings on the president's nominee to replace Ginsburg in this election year. Wait until you see the violence that is going to happen. Fox Business last night talked about what Congressman Jim Jordan uh, is sponsoring. It's Republicans Jim Jordan and Debbie Lesko in a big push today for new legislation to make rioters pay for their destruction, hold them accountable, ensure local officials don't turn a blind eye to the chaos. Also, Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, is pushing hard on, on a new legislation that would do the same, really crack down hard on rioters and cities that move to de- and towns that move to defund the police. Your reaction to these two developments? I think it's important. There are remedies in the law. Businesses have been destroyed. Democrats ignored what is now a $2 billion uh, estimated destruction of American cities and communities, not just on the coastal areas, but in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And let's not forget, they attempted to do the same in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They ignored it, and some of them tacitly approved it. They talked about it should continue. This unlawful behavior should continue. That's not what we want from our elected officials. Law and order, peaceful protests, disagreement, rally outside the court. It has happened throughout our history. But do it in a manner that does not lead to destruction of property. If Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, AOC, who's got you know a voice of authority for some strange reason, this bartender from uh, West Ch- uh, uh, Chester uh, County, If they aren't speaking out daily, demanding an end to the violence, it is absolutely what David Webb just said. Tacit approval of the violence. And if they give tacit approval uh, of the violence uh, over the police brutality issue, which is an absolute 100 billion percent abject lie, provable a billion times over by statistics, provable. If they give their tacit approval to violence in the cities over that, what do you think they're going to say about replacing Ginsburg just 40, now what, three days or so before the election? They are going to not only give tacit approval, they're going to call for violence in the streets. What am I talking about going to? Why did I say such a thing? Alexandria Damasio Cortez literally has called for it already. Before an announcement is made, 
Alexandria Damasio Cortez said that this, the replacement of RGB Ruth, or RBG Ruth Bader Ginsburg with a uh, Trump uh, uh, Supreme Court nominee, should radicalize you, talking to her fellow socialist Democrats. This should radicalize you. She also said that just voting for Joe Biden isn't enough because this is not the way you get things done. She said one president can do nothing. It takes mass movements in the streets to get things done. She, who already has an outsized voice given her short time as a freshman member of Congress and her inexperience and, quite frankly, her extraordinarily low IQ, at least based on what's on display. She has an outsized presence within the Democrat Party. She can move people to do certain things. And she is calling for more violence in the streets. Nancy Pelosi won't put it down. Joe Biden won't put it down. Chuck Schumer won't put down the violence, won't condemn it, won't say unequivocally, I want you to stop this violence in Portland, in Seattle, in Minneapolis, in New York City. I want it to stop right now. This is not the way this is done. Could they say that? Yes. Have they said that? No. Will they say that? No. So Jim Jordan says, fine. We're going to pass laws, and we are going to hold people criminally and financially accountable for their damage and their destruction. Jim Jordan is going to join us next to discuss exactly that on AM 1420, The Answer. minutes after nine o'clock as we continue on am 1420 the answer i don't think the american people like to be threatened i mean jerry nadler said if you move forward this with this nomination uh and and the senate is won by the democrats in the election that they're going to pack the court they're going to add six new seats to the court and take it from nine to fifteen uh pelosi says today she's going to go with impeachment if they move forward i don't think the american people like being threatened i think they like the president of the united states following the law and putting someone on that court who's going to respect the constitution democrats don't have much more than threats these days unfortunately that was congressman jim jordan on fox business with maria bartiromo he now joins us on am fourteen twenty. the answer congressman good morning sir good morning bob how are you i'm good thanks uh appreciate you joining us uh this you just bet. got a whole lot crazier um, yeah. I have heard from different members of the Congress many different threats. You just you mentioned a couple of them there, yeah. uh, threatening to pack the court, threatening to end, uh, 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 end the Electoral College, threatening to impeach either the president or the attorney general or both. And then you've got people like freshman members of Congress like AOC literally telling Democrats this should radicalize them and that the only way to really yeah. change this isn't just to vote for Joe Biden, but it's mass movements in the streets. They're literally calling for more of the violence that they have been uh, tacitly approving over the over yep. the course of the last six months. Yeah, and I, I think it's a, a strategy. It's not going to help them in the election. Uh, like I said, I don't think the American people appreciate being threatened. I don't think the American people appreciate a, uh, a major party's nominee running for president who won't put a list out of his Supreme Court nominees. Where's Joe Biden's list? We know the president. The president's put out his list, and then he's nominated people from that list doing what he said he would do. Americans appreciate that. Where's Joe Biden's list? And these threats are not going to help them in the election. I think it's just one more reason why President Trump is going to win. And I think there's a potentially win big. Why, why do you think that is, that Joe Biden won't release a list? 
Well, there's, I, I think there's a couple reasons. One, he doesn't want to offend the moderates. He then, on, on, on the other hand, he doesn't want to defend, uh, offend the liberals. So you got you got the 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 uh, people like uh, Ocasio Cortez saying that you know we need to radicalize everyone needs to radicalize themselves and continue. I guess that means you know continue to do what's been going on in Portland, Seattle, Chicago, these areas with all the protests and, and the rioting and looting. Um, and if he puts forward some moderate uh, nominees, well, they're not going to like that. And if he puts more radicals forward, then we'll see you know that he is truly now doing whatever the hard left in his party wants him to do. Congressman, I I look at this situation with the untimely death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I know you join everyone in America in wishing condolences Mm -hmm. to her family and friends uh, and everyone close to her. She certainly had an extraordinary impact on American life in one way or another. Yep. Um, Yep. I want to talk about the hypocrisy because Democrats are calling Republicans hypocritical because they would not give a vote to uh, Merrick Garland or even have hearings. Republicans are calling Democrats hypocritical because they demanded it then, and now they're saying we shouldn't do it. It's probably yeah. accurate on both sides. Both sides are saying something different today than what they said four years ago. Lindsey Graham, for example, chairman of the judiciary, said four years ago, if Donald Cruz, uh, Trump or Ted Cruz, whoever the Republican nominee is going to be, if he is president uh, and this happens, I will not support uh, naming a, a, a SCOTUS nominee in that election year either. Now he says, I've changed my mind. So both sides are saying the opposite of what they well, said four years ago. The bottom line here is, though, you have a Republican president and a Republican Senate, and elections have yeah. consequences, right? No, of course, and the president's following the law. But the big difference in 2020 is the Democrats don't control the Senate. So the, right. the White House is in the other party's hands, but the Senate is in the same party's hands. So that's the big difference. Throughout our history, when the Senate is controlled by one party and the president is also in that same party, nominations happen all the time in election year, and that's sort of the historic norm. But when there's a difference, when one party is in the White House and a different party controls the Senate, those nominations hardly ever go through. I think only one out of like 10 or so, I forget, there's a big number, only one is went through in an election year. The big difference, Democrats don't want to talk about that, and they want to try to impeach the president for following the law and following the Constitution. After they impeached him on a, on a complete hoax uh, already this year, she's talking about, Speaker Pelosi's talking about doing it again when, when he's actually following the law, for goodness sake. So this is ridiculous. Here's the other thing that's so important to you, Bob. Remember this. Democrats are trying to win this election after the election. So we just saw in, in, in Pennsylvania last week where you can count ballots three days after Election Day, and the court said, oh, and if you can't distinguish the postmark date, you can still count them. And then we've got the decision in Wisconsin yesterday from a federal judge, you can count ballots six days after Election Day. And in Michigan, a state court said you can count ballots 14 days after the Election Day. So they're trying to find ballots, count ballots, and, and keep this thing going days and weeks after the election. They're trying to win the election after Election Day. Another reason... We need this, the, the, uh, the nominee confirmed and on the court. So it's not a 4-4 split court if we get into this troublesome area after the election, which is exactly what the Democrats are trying to get to. Yeah, there's no question about it. And what's, what's really frustrating is they're screaming, no fair, no fair. I think uh, uh, Chuck Schumer said yesterday on the floor of the Senate that uh, that President Trump and the Republican majority in the Senate has no right, and he emphasized that, no right to fill this seat right now. I would argue not only do they have the right, they have an obligation, do they not? Does the Constitution not say that this uh, uh, this replacement shall be named without delay uh, by the president and then with the advice and consent of the Senate? It's more than a right. It's his responsibility, is it not? It, it's a duty. You take an oath to the Constitution. The Constitution says the president nominates, the Senate advises, and consents, uh, and votes and consents in, some, in, in most cases for that nominee. Some cases they don't. 
But Justice, uh, Justice Stevens, I think it was all of 19 days for him to get nominated and confirmed. So we can do this in 43 days, 42 days now, whatever it winds up being when, when, when this individual is nominated, the president said later this week. There'll be 39, 38, 40 days to get this done. You can do it. It's been done much quicker than that uh, in, 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 in our history uh, uh, before. Congressman Jordan, I want to pivot to something else. Uh, we mentioned that, you know, uh, Cortez and others are calling for more uh, protests uh, that they might want to call peaceful protests, but we know what those always become. Uh, and you and Representative Lesko have combined with some other House Republicans to introduce legislation. I haven't talked to you since Thursday when this came down, this Hold Rioters Accountable Act. Can you tell us more yeah. about it? Well, it's basically what the Attorney General is proposing right now. If you've seen the news, the Attorney General is saying if you're a you know, you're a city where anarchy is happening. Uh, federal funds may not flow to those to those cities. We may restrict federal funds, and that's in essence what 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 uh, Congresswoman Lesko and others of of us are, are are putting forward in legislation. So it's a it's a concept that I think makes sense. Most Americans in Ohio say, yeah, if you're going to let your city, Seattle, for example, have a chop zone or a chaz zone, if you're Portland and you're going to allow uh, Mayor Wheeler out there going to allow Antifa and the mob to uh, attack and lay siege to that city for now over 100 days straight, maybe the rest of the, the country shouldn't be sending the hard-earned tax dollars of, of, uh, there, there to those uh, respective cities. So it's pretty just common sense, and we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what happens. What about policing in those cities? Uh, by the way, I agree with your point, and I agree with that legislation. I don't think it's going to go anywhere in the House because you don't hold the numbers, right. but I love right. the idea. Um, you got to hold them accountable financially, but what about just policing, too? Minneapolis is not on that list of anarchistic jurisdictions that the Attorney General listed. He did list Portland, Seattle, and New York City, at mm-hmm. least at the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, but how about Minneapolis? I'm sure you saw this last week. They voted two months yeah. ago to yeah. defund their police department, and then last week their city council was pu- Publicly complaining that the police aren't doing their jobs. Yeah. How co- where's the cops? Look at all of the violent yeah. crime we've had here. Where are our police? I, I mean, you can't even imagine that. No, and, and and frankly, you would laugh if this wasn't so serious and if there wasn't such you know concern and consequences for the for the residents and the taxpayers in in that city. That you know the the, the city council, who overwhelmingly, I think they all of us supported it. Uh, one voted against it. I think that's because they wanted to go even more radical. Uh, they all vote this one way, and now they're now they're questioning police. So you, you can't make this stuff up. But it again just shows how ridiculous this policy is. I've been around politics a few years now, and I've seen a lot of crazy proposals from the left. But this one is the most. This is the dumbest. This is the craziest. This idea that you're not going to fund the police, and you're not going to have the protection there that 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 uh, that citizens and families and business owners need. Yeah, that's and that's very well said. And the last thing, uh, Congressman, I want to circle back to the Supreme Court situation now. I want to ask you mm-hmm. about um, most of the people on the president's shortlist, most, most of the women, the president has said this is going to be a woman nominee, um, are Christian or are Catholic, including the presumed frontrunner, mm-hmm. Amy Coney Barrett. The president even, a lot of people thought that he should have picked her over Brett Kavanaugh. She is such a great qualified candidate. But the left is already coming after her because of her status as a potential uh, uh, front runner, if you will, uh, over her religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christians, and she's a Catholic, and she's a devout Catholic, yep. and she is pro life, and she is she is the mother of seven, and they are already saying that she, because of her faith, is not going to be able to uh, fairly interpret the law because she's going to let oh, her dogma God. over, uh, you know, right overstep her uh, her understanding oh. of the Constitution. Why is it that only Christians? I mean, I, can you imagine? 
Somebody nominating a Muslim to the Supreme Court and somebody saying, ah, your Islamic faith is totally in contradiction to the yeah. United States Constitution. You can't do that. What would they say about something like that? Well, I mean, it's always the double standard with the left. But the, the bottom line is the document that started it all, the document that was the, the foundation for then the, the, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the, the founders talk about life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And I always tell folks, you can't pursue happiness if you first don't have liberty, if you first don't have freedom. And you never have true liberty, true freedom if government won't protect your most fundamental right, your life, your right to life. The, the fact that life is sacred, life, life is precious. Amy Coney Barrett, uh, Coney Barrett understands this. That's why she's a good pick. She understands the, the Constitution, the fall of the Constitution. And she understands, to your point, that the very first right mentioned in the First Amendment is freedom to practice your faith the way you think the good Lord wants you to. And even if that means you're, you're on the Supreme Court, you have a right to do that. So this is ridiculous what the left's doing. It's not consistent with where the founders started this great country. And again, I think the American people understand it, and they're going to remember it on Election Day. Well, they're desperate because um, the president's going to nominate a woman here, which means they have already lost their number one uh, go-to card, which is to accuse this person mm-hmm. of sexual assault. So, therefore, they've got to find something else, and their desperation has taken them to the Catholic card. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you for your good work, sir. Uh, you we bet. appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. That's Bob, uh, Jim Jordan care. on AM 1420. Thank you, sir. Uh, on AM 1420, the answer. We'll take a quick time out. We're going to come back. We're going to get phone calls, and I'm going to let you hear some of yesterday's speech on the floor of the Senate given by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell as to why it is not only appropriate, it is a constitutional obligation for the president to name a replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg and for the Republican, or excuse me, the Republican-controlled Senate to hold hearings on that nominee. That's all coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. of Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. That is uh, such an important piece of legislation. Like I told uh, Congressman Jordan, though, it's probably not going to go anywhere because Nancy Pelosi will do nothing that helps Americans and American businesses, including protecting them from vandalism, rioting, looting those businesses. But Congressman Jordan, along with Debbie Lesko of Arizona, uh, introduced legislation on Thursday that we obviously haven't talked to him about since then that would hold rioters responsible financially and criminally for their destruction of property across the United States. It has been co-sponsored by about a dozen or more GOP representatives. Not one Democrat agrees that people who smash and set fires and steal should be held accountable for it. No Democrats think that they should be held accountable for it. And you want to know why? Because they're partners in crime. I told you that's just going to be the new uh, you know, way to describe these people. Uh, these are Democrat voters. These are Joe Biden's voters on the streets doing all of these things. So why, of course, would the Democrats condemn them? They are working in concert with one another. They are partners in crime. I want to go back now to the Supreme Court story. And I want you to hear, you know, like we, I have already expressed this. And I am willing to admit it, even if most people are not. You know, I am a very devout conservative, and I am on the side of of President Trump being able to name another uh, 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 Supreme Court justice nominee. But I'm willing to admit that my side is being hypocritical here. Lindsey Graham said four years ago when he opposed the idea of Merrick Garland getting a vote 
in an election year, so close to the election, particularly for a term-limited Barack Obama, somebody new was going to take over. It was either going to be Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. Barack Obama could not become president again. So therefore, why should he get to pick that person so close to the election? And Lindsey Graham said he shouldn't. And then Lindsey Graham said, by the way, if Ted Cruz or Donald Trump, whoever the Republican nominee, wins the presidency and has an opportunity to name uh, a Supreme Court nominee in an election year that close to an election, I will, I will oppose that too. He sounded pretty consistent there, right? Well, here we are, four years later, and Lindsey Graham has flipped. He's flip-flopped and said, I've changed my mind. I think the president should be able to name. So it's hypocritical. I agree with him, by the way. I support his hypocritical stance here. But unlike the Democrats, I'm willing to concede that my side is kind of playing both sides of that fence. The Democrats won't admit to their own hypocrisy. They demanded and said it was the president's responsibility, and they were right about that part, Barack Obama's responsibility, to name a Supreme Court uh, justice nominee. But the opposite party in control of the Senate didn't have to take it up. And they screamed at that Senate saying, you must. It's an absolute uh, uh, obligation. You have to do it. Talking about Merrick Garland. And now, here they are four years later saying, you better not even think about it. You don't have the right to do that. So they're both very hypocritical. Everybody has changed their position. Every Democrat has flipped. Uh, Some Republicans have flipped. Everybody has changed their position. But the bottom line is, as Mitch McConnell said yesterday on the floor of the Senate, it is the president's constitutional obligation, not just right, but obligation to make this pick. And it is the Senate's uh, responsibility under advising consent to consider that individual when the president names him. And I know the left doesn't like to hear this, which is why I like to play this. This is Mitch McConnell long form from yesterday and personally threaten associate justices if they do not rule a certain way or ill-equipped to give lectures on civil. You know what? I apologize. I think you should hear the beginning of that clip because it's important. Again, there'll be time to discuss why senators who appear on the steps of the Supreme Court and personally threaten associate justices if they do not rule a certain way are ill-equipped to give lectures on civics. But today, let's dispense with a few of the factual misrepresentations right at the outset. We're already hearing incorrect claims that there is not sufficient time to examine and confirm a nominee. We can debunk this myth in about 30 seconds. As of today, there are 43 days until November 3rd and 104 days until the end of this Congress. The late, iconic Justice John Paul Stevens was confirmed by the Senate 19 days after this body formally received his nominations. 19 days from start to finish. Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, another iconic jurist, was confirmed 33 days after her nomination. For the late Justice Ginsburg herself, It was just 42 days. Justice Stevens' entire confirmation process could have been played out twice. Twice. Between now and November 3rd, with time to spare. 
and Justice Ginsburg herself could have been confirmed twice between now and the end of the year with time to spare. The Senate has more than sufficient time to process a nomination. History and precedent make that perfectly clear. Others want to claim this situation is exactly analogous to Justice Scalia's passing in 2016, and so we should not proceed until January. This is also completely false. Here's what I said on the Senate floor the very first session, the day after Justice Scalia passed, quote, the Senate has not filled a vacancy arising in an election year when there was a divided government since 1888, almost 130 years ago. Here's what I said the next day when I spoke to the press for the first time on the subject. You have to go back to 1888 when Grover Cleveland was president to find the last time a vacancy created in a presidential election year was approved by Senate of a different party. As of then, only six prior times in American history had a Supreme Court vacancy arisen in a presidential election year, and the president sent a nomination that year to the Senate of the opposite party. The majority of those times, the outcome was exactly what happened in 2016, no confirmation. The historically normal outcome when you have divided government. President Obama was asking Senate Republicans for an unusual favor that had last been granted nearly 130 years before then. But voters had explicitly elected our majority to check and balance the end of his presidency. So we stuck with the basic norm. Oh, and by the way, in so doing, our majority did precisely what Democrats had indicated they would do themselves. That part is very, very important in all of this. And in fact, as we talk about the hypocrisy of both sides kind of changing their minds from four years ago until now, that is the X factor. If there was a Democrat president and a Democrat Senate right now, you know full well they would be doing exactly the same thing. They'd be saying, the president is president until January 19th of next year. He's got plenty of time to fill this seat. It doesn't have to come before the election, just has to come before he's out of all. You know exactly what they would do because they are dirty trick players. Look at the way they treated Brett Kavanaugh and to a lesser extent, Neil Gorsuch. This is absolutely what they would do. So it's, you know, despite what they would do, the dirty trick now is saying that the Republicans should not do it. More from Mitch McConnell. In 1992, Democrats control the Senate. Opposite President Bush, 41. Then-Senator Joe Biden chaired the Judiciary Committee. Unprompted, unprompted, he publicly declared that his committee might refuse to cooperate if a vacancy arose, and the Republican president tried to fill it. In 2007, Democrats controlled the Senate opposite President Bush, 43. And with more than a year and a half left, a year and a half left, in President Bush 43's term, the current Democratic leader declared that, quote, except in extraordinary circumstances, end quote, the opposite party Senate should boycott any further confirmations to the Supreme Court. 
that the current Democratic leader a year and a half before the end of the Bush administration. So in 2016, Senate Republicans did not only maintain the historical norm, we also ran the Biden-Schumer playbook. When voters have not chosen divided government, when the American people have elected a Senate majority to work closely with the sitting president, the historical record is even more overwhelmingly in favor of confirmation. Eight times in our nation's history, new vacancies have arisen and presidents have made nominations all during the election year. Seven of the eight were confirmed. And the sole exception, Justice Abe Fortas, was a bizarre situation, including obvious personal corruption that extended into financial dealings. All right, we'll stop it there because I just wanted you to get, and that's a little long form, about five minutes worth of Mitch McConnell. Um, I wanted you to hear him dispel, lay waste to a number of the myths that the Democrats are spinning about putting forth this nominee in these circumstances. History is on the side of the president uh, nominating somebody knowing that his party will give advice and consent as the majority of the Senate uh, before this you know before this first term is up. The difference lies in the fact that again, it's the same party in the White House as is in control of the Senate. Four years ago that was not the case. not to mention, as I pointed out and already did mention, Barack Obama, was a lame duck. He was not going to preside over the country in the following year. He was term limited out. President Trump is not. He is an incumbent president aiming for a second term, and he has every right to appoint and responsibility to appoint somebody to the Supreme Court or nominate someone to be confirmed by the Senate um, in uh, so that he will have that going into his second term. It is absolutely 100% his right and responsibility to do that. No matter how much, no matter how much hand-wringing the Democrats do, no matter how many meltdowns you see on The View or on CNN or on Morning Joe or anywhere else, the bottom line is history says this is absolutely the right thing to do. It's the just thing to do. It's the constitutionally responsible thing to do, no matter what anybody said four years ago. All right, I'll get to your phone calls right after this. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110 on the Bob France Authority. promo there just reminded me we have not heard from Kurt Schlichter in a bit. We're going to have to have him on this week at some point. Kurt Schlichter is a brilliant, brilliant guy, and I encourage you to buy that book. Uh, I want to share, I'm going to go to the calls here in a second, but uh, I I just looked up at my call screen. The first guy I was going to take is gone. Dave hung up, and the, the screen says that I'm wrong about Lindsey Graham, and I would like to know why Dave thought that was. Um, when I said Lindsey Graham has basically flip-flopped, he changed his mind. Um, no, he has. And there's, there's, there's no disputing that. And guess what? I can admit it even though I'm on his side. You see, that's the difference between conservatives and liberals. Largely, we are able to admit our own shortcomings. 
Lindsey Graham flip-flopped here. I'm glad he did. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad he did. But the bottom line is, Lindsey Graham literally said um, from his seat in the United States Senate back in 2016, when Barack Obama put forth Merrick Garland to be uh, to be uh, voted upon uh, for the next, you know, to replace Antonin Scalia's seat, Lindsey Graham was very, very clear and said this. And if Ted Cruz or Donald Trump get to be president, they've all asked us not to confirm or take up a selection by President uh, Obama. So if a vacancy occurs in their last year of their first term, guess what? You will use their words against them. I want you to use my words against me. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say, Lindsey Graham said, let's let the next president, whoever it might be, make that nomination. And you could use my words against me and you'd be absolutely right. It just doesn't become much clearer than that. If there's a Republican president in 2016, he said, and if a vacancy occurs in his last year of his first term, you can use my words. He should not name a replacement. Uh, that it should be taken up by the next president, whomever that may be. Uh, and you can use my words against me. Well, guess what? Democrats are having a field day doing it. Now, Lindsey Graham, to me, has done the right thing. He has, he has gone, you know, he has changed his mind. He has flip-flopped on this. And why is that the right thing? Because the Democrats have changed the game. When the Democrats did what they did to Neil Gorsuch, the game changed. When the Democrats did what they did to Brett Kavanaugh, which was a thousand times worse, it changed the game. What the Democrats did to Brett Kavanaugh made what happened to Robert Bork look like child's play by comparison. In fact, the new, you know, the new verb, it went from being borked to being Kavanaughed with what they put that man through. Now, you remember Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was actually confirmed, I want to say 99 to 1 or 98 to 2. And guess what? Not all 98 senators, when she was appointed by Bill Clinton in 1993, not all 98 senators liked her, liked her politics, liked her democratic activism. But they did what their job said they're supposed to do, and that is vote based on her qualifications to do the job not her personal ideology. Democrats have cast that historical precedent out. They have completely decided that the advice and the consent on the nominee named by the president, based on their qualifications and experience, not on their ideology or their politics, they have thrown that out and said, we're just going to, we're going to, we don't like them because we don't like what they're going to vote for. We don't like the fact that she's pro-life. We don't like the fact that he's pro-life. We don't like the fact that he holds this view, that view, or another view. Qualifications be damned. We're going to torpedo the nomination. Democrats change the game. And if the Democrats are allowed to change the game, Lindsey Graham is allowed to change his mind. That's the way I see it. All right, let's go to the phones. We're going to talk to whom? All right. It's uh, I guess it's Bob in Middleburg Heights. Bob, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, Bob. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Hello, Bob. Uh, yes. I agree with you and Mr. Graham. Uh, 
it's time to stop playing nice. Uh, the ramifications of what can come about with this, it's just, it's unbelievable. And we need to man up, do the right thing for the people of this country. It's that simple in my book. Well, I agree with you. Your book and mine, are we're reading the same book here, Bob. Thanks for the call. It is that simple. It is doing what's right for the country. And again, it is acknowledging the way, look, if you're engaged in a contest of any kind, I don't care if it's a prize fight or if it's a football game, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe we'll keep it off of the battleground and we'll put it into the debate forum. Let's, let's, let's make it a speech, speech and debate contest. If you are abiding by the rules in your performance in the debate and you are going solely from your memory and your research and your presentation... And you find out that your opponent is on the other podium using a laptop and looking up information to use to present, in other words, cheating, you are not required to stand there and lose because the other side is cheating. You're allowed to get down into the mud and fight them on their own level. Well, the Democrats have cheated Time and time and time again, when it comes to Supreme Court nominations, they've cheated. So if you think I'm going to feel bad about cheating back, if you think I'm going to feel bad after what they did to Kavanaugh about Lindsey Graham saying, uh, you can use my words against me and then coming up and saying, too bad, I changed my mind, you're wrong. I want to win my debate. I want to win my prize fight. I want to win my wrestling match. I want to win my football game. And I'm going to fight under the same rules that my opponent is fighting under. And if they're not abiding by the rules, then let's go. I can get dirty, too. We'll be right back. 